Hello, I'm Kami Yashirabge, and this is the Buddhism Guide podcast. You can find more podcasts, blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices on the Buddhism Guide app. Download it for free from the Apple Store and Google Play. If you enjoy the Buddhism Guide podcast and would like to support future episodes, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide for more information. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-m dot com forward slash Buddhism Guide. This episode is called Eight Verses of Thought Transformation. This is part one of a two-part series on the Eight Verses of Thought Transformation. This is an important text from Tibetan spiritual writings known as Lojong or Mind Training. The root text was written by the 11th century meditator Langri Tangpa. These verses explain how we can see life through the eyes of compassion and not through our self-cherishing ego. The more we meditate on thought transformation, the more compassionate we become. You meditate on these verses by reciting each verse and then pausing to contemplate its meaning. Then try to apply it to a situation in your life. This will help you to truly transform your way of thinking and acting. Remember, these verses are to be practiced and not just recited. Verse 1 With the thought of becoming awakened for the welfare of all beings who are more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel, I will constantly practice holding them dear. With the thought of becoming awakened for the welfare of all beings, refers to becoming awakened for the benefit of all beings and not just for our own selfish benefit. Who are more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel? A wish-fulfilling jewel is a mythical gem that grants you every wish. So, all beings are more important than this jewel, because without them we cannot become awakened. The jewel may give you any material thing your heart desires, but they will be impermanent, and so will soon fade away. However, having compassion for all beings, and taking them on your journey to awakening, will give you the ultimate state of mind, the awakened mind. When we are motivated by compassion, our actions are formidable, because they are carried out for the benefit of all beings. Of course, To help one person is a great thing to do, but to help every being is a billion times more powerful. Whatever action we do out of compassion will leave an imprint on our mind stream. This helps accumulate positive potential within us because we are not being selfish and we wish happiness for all beings. Our awakening depends on every single being. So those beings become more important to us than a wish-fulfilling jewel. If we leave just one being out of our circle of compassion, 
we will not be able to attain an awakened mind. This includes beings we don't usually include in our circle of compassion, such as mosquitoes, cockroaches, people we dislike or terrorists. We have to train our minds to think, my awakening depends on the mosquito or cockroach or person I dislike or terrorist. If we do not include these beings in our circle of compassion, then we do not have true compassion and we will never obtain the awakened mind. So, all beings are that precious to us. If we take the time to look closely at our lives, we will understand that the only reason we are alive is due to the kindness of other beings. We do not live in a bubble. We are all interconnected. So everything we enjoy is dependent on other beings. Therefore, the final line reads, I will constantly practice holding them dear. Instead of trying to be better than others, jealous of them, arrogant towards them, discriminating against them or criticising them, we should learn to hold them dear, because to us they are more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel. Verse 2 Whenever I am with others, I will practice seeing myself as the lowest of all, and from the very depth of my heart, I will respectfully hold others as supreme. When people first read this verse, they usually react negatively. But it isn't about feeling worthless, having low self-esteem or putting ourselves down. It's about putting others first. Usually we put ourselves first by thinking, I want all the good things to happen to me. I want to be first and I want to be appreciated. I want to be acknowledged for all that I do. I want everyone to love me, listen to me and approve of me. It is all about me. I am the centre of the universe. So, by mentally putting ourselves lower than others, we are giving ourselves room to include others in our way of thinking and acting. We start to burst our self-cherishing bubble and become more compassionate and connected to others. When we're totally preoccupied with ourselves, we start to overreact to everything and everyone. We take everything personally. If someone looks at us in a funny way, or doesn't respond to us, or says something we do not like, we take offence. We tell ourselves stories about how they don't like us, appreciate us, love us, or know who we really are. We become paranoid and feel we have to fight for every right during every interaction with others. We project on them all sorts of negative qualities and then hate them for being what we've projected. But when we mentally see ourselves as lower than others, we understand that we are not the centre of the universe, and realise there are other beings in this world who are just as important as us. We start to let go of our self-centredness, and our minds become so much more calm, open, peaceful and clear. We truly become compassionate and caring for all beings and not just ourselves. When we stop thinking of ourselves and start including others in our thinking, we'll be able to better connect with them. None of us want to be isolated by our own self-centeredness 
our own self-cherishing thoughts. So, by mentally thinking of ourselves as lower than others, we don't need to look for respect, approval or acknowledgement. Having said this, it doesn't mean we put ourselves in the position to be walked all over. We are not trying to become a doormat. It just means that we stop our ego-driven needs to be loved, respected, acknowledged and appreciated. This is so liberating. We finally have room to breathe and drop this preoccupation with ourselves. Verse 3 In all actions I will examine my mind and the moment a disturbing attitude arises, endangering myself and others, I will firmly confront and avert it. It is your mind and so you need to be aware of what is going on in there. You need to be mindful of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, body sensations and what you are saying and doing. When you spot a negative emotion arise, don't welcome it in and allow it to control your mind and actions. Tell it to stop stealing your happiness and peace of mind. Don't foolishly let your mind take control of your actions. We need to do the same with attachment. When attachment appears in your mind, don't welcome it in and think it is going to make you happy. It isn't. Understand that attachment is setting you up for suffering. So be mindful and do not get carried away by attachment. All negative emotions, such as anger, jealousy, pride, loneliness and so on, endanger us because they make us create negative habits and patterns in our mind leading to future suffering. Negative emotions do not just cause us problems in the future, they also make us unhappy right now. We never feel good when we are angry, jealous or attached to things. They also endanger others as well. Whenever we act on our negative emotions, our speech and acts are unkind and unhelpful. When negativity enters our mind, we also become mistrustful. We mistrust what people are saying and doubt their actions. Don't allow your mind to be filled with mistrust or you will get tangled up in unhelpful thoughts. This will also lead to future suffering for you and the people around you. If negative emotions arise, we must apply the antidotes. For attachment, we meditate on impermanence. For anger, we meditate on patience and compassion. For jealousy, we meditate on being happy for what is happening to others. For lack of trust, we meditate on the breath to calm our mind. Verse 3 means that we must guard our minds at all times. Think of yourself as the gardener and imagine your mind as the garden. Positive thoughts are the beautiful flowers that brighten your life. Negative thoughts are the ugly weeds that spread and suffocate the flowers. Ensure your mind is full of beautiful flowers and not harmful weeds. Verse 4 Whenever I meet a person of bad nature who is overwhelmed by negative energy and intense suffering, I will hold such a rare one dear as if I had found a precious treasure. Whenever I meet a person of bad nature, 
The people this line is talking about are angry and difficult to get along with. They challenge what we think and believe. They also challenge our sense of identity and what we do. These people may not judge themselves to be bad-natured people, but we do, because they do not like us or what we do. In fact, we believe they do not pay us enough attention and do not appreciate what we do. We think of them as uncooperative people, who is overwhelmed by negative energy and intense suffering. People who are overwhelmed by negative energy are those who have lots of anger, jealousy, hatred or attachment. Whenever we are around people such as these, we feel their confusion and restlessness. We usually turn away from those people. People with intense suffering could be those who are sick or grieving a loss. Seeing unwell people reminds us of our own mortality and we try our best to keep our minds away from thinking about death. When we encounter people who have severe emotional problems, we shy away from them. We seem to have so many adverse reactions to other beings. And when we come across them, we pull down the shutters in our mind and do our best to exclude them. People with negative energy, intense suffering or a bad nature can be friends, strangers or people we dislike. The last thing we want to do is to hold them dear, as if they were precious treasures. But this is exactly what we need to do. With this verse of thought transformation, we cease blocking them out as if they don't have feelings. Instead, we see their humanity. We realise they're just like us. They want to be happy and they don't want to suffer. We build compassion and empathy for these people and understand they, like us, are just a product of causes and conditions. A person does not choose to get angry. Someone doesn't think, I'm going to get angry and make my life miserable. These emotions arrive due to causes and conditions. Instead of disliking another person, we should practice seeing him or her as something created by causes and conditions. They are not born like this. Life has made them this way. If we think about it, people we don't like and people who harm us are in the minority. The number is actually very small. These people are rare. If we are going to practice patience, we need these people. It is not possible to practice patience on people we like because they are already kind to us. Finding people that we don't like or who give us problems is not so easy. So, when we finally find them, they are a precious treasure. When we meet them, we should think, fantastic, I get to practice patience now. We need to cherish them and do not miss the opportunity to practice patience. You can find more information about this and similar subjects in my books The Best Way to Catch a Snake, Life's Meandering Path and Ripples in the Stream. They're all available now on Amazon and Kindle. And don't forget to check out the Buddhism Guide app. 
Thank you so much for listening. And remember, the only person you can ever really know is yourself.